On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. From the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. You get excited because they're excited. Gets me excited. Here's your hosts, Ian Mendez and Matt Robinson. We're a team. Look at this. I get to hit leadoff on the Tall Can Audio podcast. Pretty cool. In fact, my name was even first in there. Ian Mendes with Matt Robinson. I like the sound of that. Get out of here, Michaela Schreider. I saw what you, I heard what you said about me last week, saying that I was too green, that I wouldn't be able to handle this role. Well, look at me now, Michaela. Look at me now. <laughs> hey, this is great, Matt. Thank you so much for, uh, for inviting me into your studio here. It's the first time in a couple of years I've been able to come back here, and it's, uh, it's always fun to... Uh, to join your podcast. Yeah, she was throwing some elbows, eh, on her way out she the door. And, well, uh, I think a little bit of that might have been the Patriots-Cowboys <laughs> result on the weekend uh, in which it didn't go the way that Michaela wanted. Yeah, well, between that and and the Senators, I'm hearing way too much, you know, over the years about different Bradys. I know he's since yeah. moved on from the Patriots and whatever, but, you know, I, I'm sure we'll, uh, I'll hear less about one Brady at least today. We'll see where the other one, uh, yeah, where the other one takes us. How I, you doing, man? Hey, it's been a this while. Is, uh, this is great. Just made my way over here from a Sens practice uh, this week. So, listen, this is, uh, uh, things are great. I, I was just telling you here before we started recording, uh, kind of getting back to a sense of like normalcy and going to the rink every day or most days and you know going to the arena and letting uh, fans back in. It, it, it's starting to feel a little bit like society is getting back to where we were in February of 2020. We're not quite there yet, but it, it definitely feel I feel more optimistic today than I have at any point over the last 18 months, and maybe that's a good thing. Well, and. You know, lots changed since you were in here last. You got a new gig. Um, I think, obviously, last time you were in here, you were hosting The Drive. Seriously. Now uh, now on to bigger and better things. Tell the good people what you're up to. Yeah, listen, I ditched Lever Sage, <laughs> uh, which was a huge upgrade for me. I hope he hears that clip <laughs> at some point. Uh, no, and, you know, people who know me know I love... Uh, what is it about people on that side of the table throwing elbows around? <laughs> yeah, you got to get Versage in here one of these days. Yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd be a fun guy to have. But, uh, you know, I think, like for me, I love my seven years at, at 1200, loved working with Sean Simpson, loved working with Lever Sage. And if you hear me joking about them or hear me or see me on social media chirping them, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that I think people who love each other and love working with each other yes. do. Like that's what we do. So um, that was a really hard decision to leave because I did love the, 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 the co-workers there. But it was just a chance for me to go and do something 
different and, and go in, um, you know, you get to an age and I'm, you know, in my forties now where you start to think about, I'm kind of halfway through my career and it's scary to think like, man, I'm a, I'm starting the back nine of right. my career. I'm like, <laughs> I'm teeing off on the 10th hole here. And what have I thought about my first nine holes and where do I want to go in the, the back nine? And being a writer was something I hadn't really done full time. I had done it, um, kind of on the side as a side hustle with Sportsnet and TSN and, and some other writing I had done with Today's Parent and The Ottawa Citizen. And I loved it. I really did. I love writing and I wanted to give it one shot and this was going to be my shot. So I, I, I took a stab at it and, uh, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully this, is, uh, this was the right decision. Uh, you know, when you, um, maybe before we go any further, uh, I'm not sure. We'll tell the good listener. It's early in the day. Not sure whether Ian's... Oh, uh, come on now. Let's <laughs> all right. So, this. that a boy. Go. Cracking it open. And it's not, by the way, this is the Tall Can Audio show, Tall Can Audio podcast, but I'm having a, a regular size can here. Yeah, well, you know, it's... 355 it's, mil or whatever it is, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's early in the day, so yeah. we'll keep things uh, under control. But this is, um, actually, Dean Brown was in over the summer. And um, he said he's yeah he's an art, a bit of a beer guy, but as often as not he would take a gin or or whatever. But uh, I sent him home with a couple of these as well, and they've kind of been uh, parting gifts, I guess for for the very nice. few guests we've been able to get in person. But this is um, from the Big Rock Brewing Company, and it's uh, the Tragically Hips Lake Fever Lager. And so um, I guess the the band had said for a while they had wanted to put out a beer, but they hadn't. They'd been approached by a lot of the big guys, right? And they didn't really want to do that. They wanted to work with somebody a little more, you know, Big Rock's not a small company, but they're not a Molson or a Labatt or a whatever either. So um, they had talked about this for a little while and, and trying to get something together and uh, just in time for, I think it was just, it won't shock anybody, right around Canada Day. Yeah. Uh, they launched uh, this. It's the Lake Fever Lager from uh, from the Big Rock Brewing Company. What do you think of your first poll there? Listen, you know me, I'm a pun guy. So all I'm thinking is how do they not go with Tragically Hops? Okay. Okay. That was my first thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. We want to hear your uh, your own. What would you have named a tragically hip beer? Let us know at Talk Audio. Tragically hops. That's yeah, it. No, it's Get, not it's a bad over. one either. It's no. over. How are you going to top that? I'd love to hear from <laughs> listeners here. You you know, tweet at us and let us know how you would talk. But that was just off the top of my head. I'd have to look at. There's a list of all the. You know. Yeah, no, there's uh, all the track lists and yeah, and, and I'm sure things. you could come up with something. But anyway, that that was my thought. This is nice, though. It's a nice, it's a nice twelve noon yes beer <laughs> uh, to to kind of get things going. But I couldn't come on your show. And I, I've told you this before. I'm more of a red wine, yep. whiskey kind of bourbon type of guy. But you can't be getting into that at twelve noon. No, that's why you need yeah, the lot. No, it's pretty nice, much your day's nice. done. And I'm also, <laughs> and I, I this will be blasphemy for your. Listeners, who especially because I know you have a lot of, and you would be on this list, and Michaela would be on this list. You are both craft beer. Uh, what's the term? Aficionado. Aficionado. Yeah. I like. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I am not. I'm not a beer guy. Yeah. I'm the guy when I golf. It's Michelob Ultra. Yeah. It's the dad beer because you know you got to watch the carbs. So uh, if if you were giving me a tall can, I'd a hundred percent go Michelob Ultra because that's my. That's my identity. People, friends who golf with me know, oh yeah, Mendez, he's getting a Michelob Ultra. Well, you like, you know, you talk about you being a pun guy. Who decided to call it the dad bod and not the father figure? 
Right. That's the, yeah. <laughs> that's the way better way. I, maybe George Michael would have sued them. I, mean. <laughs> I guess. Could be. Yeah. Um, look, we got a bunch of things we want to get to. I do yeah. want to let the good listener know first, though, that uh, next Thursday, uh, Thursday morning when these uh, these come out, Ian will be gone again. He's, he's got a lot to do, right? Uh, but we are doing our best to keep filling Michaela's chair here. Uh, Canadian Paralympian Amy Burke will be back in here, and she's been on the show a bunch of times. Uh, good friend of the show, a good friend of mine, and... Uh, she was over in Tokyo, and uh, we've gotten a bunch of questions, a bunch of emails wanting to know, um, you know, what that experience was like. Obviously, a, a pandemic, Olympics, a pandemic, Paralympics, what all that looked like, uh, and why she didn't exactly get the minutes as Canada's best player. We thought she might. Obviously, there was an injury there. She'll talk about some of that as well. So Amy will be here next week on uh, on Thursday morning. And on Friday morning, a couple guys you know pretty well. They're Ian uh, Graham Creech and Steve Bundo will be on the podcast. Are they uh, coming in studio? I think so. We're, come on. We're working through it. We're How did I not it. get a chance to, to come on with those guys? Well, we're going to talk it, and you're welcome back, obviously. Oh, but we're talking guys, UFC oh. 267 and yeah. UFC 268. Okay, uh, so don't have me on. I, don't, <laughs> I get squeamish with blood. I'm not a UFC guy. Those guys uh, are great, though. They're the, great guys. Yeah, no, they've been on the show a few times, but it's always had to be virtual. Yeah. And uh, so we are working on the possibility that we can get them in studio, but you know, there's a lot of moving parts still, right, on what totally. all that looks like. So uh, two huge cards from the UFC, though, one week apart, which almost never happened. So it seems like a good time to uh, to get them back in. So it'll be Amy Burke Thursday, uh, Creech and Bunda on Friday. Stick around for those. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Uh, Ian, what, I, what, by the way, sorry, what number are we at? A UFC two what two sixty seven and two sixty eight. Wow. So like when it first started, was there like UFC two? Yes, three. Like it just started. From there was a- no UFC one. That was just UFC, right? Okay. And are, are you familiar with the story on how all this started? Like what the first one looked like? No, I, I'm not. I'm told, I'm not a UFC guy. I did interview Dana White though one time. Really? I did eh? Interview him in the studio at Sportsnet, and I was super nervous because I'm. I, it's not my wheelhouse, right? Yeah. So I actually, that's the only time I think in my entire television career where I used a prompter for questions. <laughs> like, I didn't know. I, I honestly will be straight up honest. Yeah. I didn't know enough about it. And I remember looking in, so tell me, Dana, does Anderson Silva, <laughs> like whatever. Like, sure, I, yeah. Is yeah. Anderson Silva even a guy? Yeah. I don't even know. No, the like, spider. He's yeah, one of the all-time greats. I don't even know. <laughs> so that, I, I have a very limited uh, awareness sure. and knowledge an interest in UFC, but I, I'm very uh, cognizant of the fact that it's popular and people like it and, and well, pe- people and like yourself, Graham Creech, Steve Bunda love it. So. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you the first one, like it was downright barbaric, but the idea was there was no weight classes. It was just, what is the ultimate martial arts? We're going to put a boxer in against a sumo wrestler, and then we're going to put a karate guy in against a judo guy. And then it was just a tournament to figure out which was the ultimate martial art, right? And, and so... There was some crazy stuff going on. The sumo wrestler can't chase anybody, right? And he was knocked out in no time. And and so that was the concept that it started with. And so they kept having these tournaments. Then UFC 2, UFC 3, as it moved. And as it's grown, you don't see any of that now. Obviously, it's been regulated with weight classes, all this sort of stuff. But there is no just straight Olympic wrestler versus boxer, UFC fighters now, better know a little bit of everything. You train to be a mixed martial artist. You're not yeah. just a, you know, whatever, a, ju- a judoka who's pulled off the street to come in and, and fight somebody else. So the evolution has been really interesting. But yeah, when you watch the first couple, oof, it was it was pretty barbaric. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll skip skip those for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. So I uh, look forward to those uh, next week. couple really good shows coming up. Um, Ian, talk to me a little bit about, you know, just before we... 
Um, you know, I sent you a list of topics. We'll, we'll get to some of them there in a minute. But what's it been like being back in the rink now, both to, I, I know you were in the rink last year for the, the bubble season, but it was a little different. They were keeping everybody at, at quite a distance. And during the games, there was nobody there. Uh, now, fans are allowed back in, and, and we can talk about attendance later on. But what's it been like this year um, as they try to get a little bit more back to normal and having fans back in there and just your experience kind of covering it in this sort of recovery period. Yeah, it, it was really tough last year. And you know what? And I don't think I realized it until they let the full capacity, especially the opener against the Leafs, it felt great. It felt really... Always feels good when the Leafs Wow. <laughs> it doesn't. But <laughs> but when when that building had 15,000, 16,000 people on Thursday night against Toronto, it felt really good. Yeah. And you just then it really hits you how much you miss the fans. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if we miss the fans as media, yeah. the players must have absolutely missed them. So it's great. It's going to be a work in progress. I'm very cognizant of the fact that everybody's got their own comfort level when it comes to COVID. Some people don't want to go back to large indoor uh, venues and gatherings, and that's totally fine. That's your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing that across North America. I think to some extent there are facilities that are operating at 60, 70, 80% capacity that we're used to seeing at 100% capacity. So, <laughs> Did you see, just to cut you off for a second, yeah. did you see the attendance for the Tennessee Titans? Uh, the Bills, oh, they just missed... The perfect number, right? By one person. 69,419. That would have been it. If they had 69,420, end it. Like, just drop the mic. Sports is over. The end of sports as we know it. They've done it. There was one pandemic-hesitant person who showed up. 69,420. You see it with democracy all the time, right? Never say your vote doesn't count. Never say one vote can't make a difference. One ticket sale (laughs) from achieving... Perfection. Social media perfection <laughs> and being the punchline of all time. But yeah, look, you're going to find that there's going to be some hesitancy, but it's been great to see people back. I'm willing to, to to let this play out for a few more weeks and then we'll, you know, and obviously in Ottawa, the attendance figure, it's been a talking point more sure. so than it has been in a Toronto or Montreal or uh, Buffalo, which is now sort of starting to see attendance issues. Mm-hmm. Ottawa has been, it's been an attendance story on and off here for the last few years. So that to me was a little bit, um, it was a little bit alarming to see Sunday night 8,067 people. I have never... Leave it to Ottawa to throw a 67 on the board. 67 in there. It just, it was was jarring, but I didn't tweet out any pictures of empty seats. I didn't tweet out... I made it a a little note at the end of my column on Monday just to say like, hey, like this is something worth monitoring. A little note and a lot of attention. Yeah, and a lot of attention. (laughs) And and, and you're going to... And I'm comfortable with that. There were some people saying, I'm really disappointed in you that you went down this road. And I thought, you know what? Like when you see an all-time record low attendance, to not mention it I think would be disingenuous. So I mentioned it at the end of a column and I said specifically, let's let this play itself out and see if it's a pattern or an aberration. Right. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not – if I pressed a panic button there, I don't know. I think – look, I think Ottawa – Sports fans and Senators fans in particular are are sensitive when it comes to this because they've been beaten up, and I understand it. And you don't want to see one of the people that uh, covers your team going down that road. But I don't think I was going down that road. I was simply stating a fact. Yeah, that that was the lowest attendance in the history of that building, and that's noteworthy. <laughs> that that's worth a note. Now, yeah. I'd like to think that we get some better numbers, but if not. 
again, I'm not going to press the panic button. I'm going to start asking questions. Why are we getting sub 10,000 crowds? Mm-hmm. Like, like I think the idea that um, people are mad at the owner, okay, fine. But to his defense, he signed Brady Kachuk. He signed Drake Batherson and Thomas Shabbat. So if your biggest problem with the owner, which was for a lot of people, was star players walked out the door. Yeah. You can't use that argument anymore. It's gone. Yep. Like now, maybe the old wounds take a while to heal, sure. but they've done to their credit. Like, and this is my point. I think I'm really fair. I think when they deserve criticism, I levy it. When mm-hmm. they deserve praise, I try to heap it on, and that's what I try and do. So when people see me saying, "Look, I think you need to give Pierre Dorian and Eugene Mullen the credit for." Uh, for, for retaining the star players here and, the, and keeping the core together and delivering on some of those promises, I know that there's some people that that message doesn't land with them, but I'm sorry. I'm just, I try to deal with facts. Yep. And that's a fact. Now, there's obviously some other circumstances that are flying around here that appear to be part of the cause of why people aren't showing up to the games. But I think if you're saying, I don't like that we can't hang on to star players and I'm not going to the games because of that, I don't know that I, I can now factually agree with you. Now, you might have other reasons why you sure. don't go to the game. We can have that conversation. But that particular narrative, I think, has lost some momentum. That's all. Did you see, uh, I'm sure you did, you're very active in the Sens social media community. A, a couple weeks ago during the preseason, uh, Sens Chirp put out a thing saying, it's time to return and start supporting this thing. And he got blasted. Now, a lot of people don't like being told how to fan and right. that's that's fair that's totally fair but i think his point was even at that point they didn't have brady locked up yet but you know that he had stepped up there you mentioned batherson you mentioned shabbat it hasn't worked out quite as well but colin white gets a, a deal they they get matt murray a, yep. a contract so the the narrative that they won't spend probably takes some time to peel away but it's it's dying right that yeah they, so but you know, at that point, it's a Wednesday night up against a Blue Jays pennant race. It's th- it's an exhibition game against the Leafs. A lot of people don't like to take their families or kids when the Leafs are in town. I, I guess the idea is it's somewhat of a more aggressive environment. Uh, all these things are fair at the time, but but Chirp, to me, usually is a pretty level-headed yeah. follow. And he got blasted for it. And, you know, we get into the, the home opener, and it's the Leafs in town, which normally brings a, a significant fan base as well. It doesn't sell out, but it's one game. 8,000 on Sunday, but it's Dallas. It's not a huge draw, but at some point you have to ask the question. And you're right, there's a lot going on and it's very difficult with the Senators to unpack what it all is. There's the arena location. There's the, you know, the... the well, there's the pandemic effects. Yeah, no, for right? sure, right? And and this is it. it, it it's 8,000. Would it have been 12,000 without the pandemic, right? Which would still be, oof, that's low, but it it's not all-time Senators record low, right? right? So there's a lot going on and it's hard to unpack what it all is. And I, I've had it out with a couple people on Twitter just over the fact that I'm having a hard time, even though I would love to roast the Senators, picking apart people who don't want to go to an indoor facility right yeah. now with whatever. It's, it's, it's really hard to judge what this all is. Yeah, and that's just it. And, and a guy like uh, Dave who runs Sense Trip there, yeah. Dave is one of the most upbeat, positive sense fans that there is. Like he is. Like and yep. and and all he was trying like like and that's the thing. Like and, and people who know Graham Nichols who runs the Sixth Sense, he's probably on the opposite end of the spectrum where he his coverage of the team tends to be a little bit more 
you know, not ne- and I, ne- I don't want to use the term negative. And, and the word critical doesn't always have to be negative no. either. Like like fair criticism. I think I think Nichols levies fair criticism. Mm-hmm. Some people think he's too far. I think Sensherp uh, is very um, optimistic in his view. Some people think he's sure. You, you know, he's 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 just a, a shell, like a homer guy. Yeah, yeah. And I think the truth is somewhere in between. And yeah. I think it's really important we listen to all of those voices. None of them are wrong. Right. Like, if you're an Ottawa fan, you're not wrong. And I think that's, like, I think one of the most fascinating things to me, Matt, is if you talk to eight people who are, who have, let's say we ask a yes or no question. Uh, will you attend an Ottawa Senators game this year? Right. And you took the first eight people that, that ticked the no box. Then you pull those eight people into a room and you ask them, why aren't you going? I think you might get seven or eight different yep. answers. One person might be like, yeah, I live in Orleans. Forget that. Yeah. Next person is like, ah, you know what? The pandemic, yep. uh, I, I'm, I'm hesitant. Next person like, oh, Melnick, I don't like the, the stuff that he's done. I'm out. Next person's going to say Stone parking price. Sure. Next person's going to say what? Like, And so it, it builds up. Mm-hmm. But so in Sen's chirp, in Sen Chirp's defense, at some point, you do have to get to, you know, numbers that aren't embarrassingly low. Right. You do. And, and, well, the, and I wonder that a lot. What is the I, end game for people and, holding out? And that's what I hope will happen here. And I, and I mean that for, for the Graham Nichols, for the, the Sense Chirp, for everybody who's a fan of this team, even the people that, uh, or sometimes they get negative and toxic on Twitter and they're angry. It's because you love them yep. so much. And it's hard to, like sometimes when you see people, and, and I'm the victim of sometimes people will will, will, will throw venom my way. It's because you're pretty bushly, but, I hear. Yeah, <laughs> but but it, it at the end of the day, it's because you love the team. Yep. It's you love the team. And I understand that. So I'm okay sometimes being your pin cushion. Like if you need to to vent, come at me. And like I, I'm for the most part, I'm okay with it. I, I usually understand that for the mo- for the majority of people, you're coming from a good place. But it's a touchy subject for Ottawa fans. It is because there's it's a nuanced answer that we're not going to get to the, uh, no. the 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 bottom <laughs> of this in this show. And it's going to maybe take a long time to get to the bottom of it. But just understand that. Ottawa fans are not like I think the the problem for Ottawa fans they don't like being painted with the same brush as some of these other markets that don't yeah the Panthers yeah or, or Arizona sure, yeah. or whatever we're not like that like understand we have a, t- a full time talk radio uh, station in this market that is flooded the yeah. inbox is flooded <laughs> with Senators comments and the phone lines are jammed post game they love this team. They love this team. It's just for whatever reason right now, it's not being reflected in the box office. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we're going to have to have a really honest, frank, open, transparent conversation about that. And I hope that it's a moot point by the time we get to February and maybe everyone's ready to go back to sporting events and there's herd immunity yeah, and the team yeah. is playing well and everyone like and, and everyone's just like, you know what? That was a really messy four-year period and we're ready to go. That's my hope. But if we don't get there, then I'm going to be there asking some questions. And I and I hope that people appreciate that my role in all of this is to act as your advocate, as uh, you know, as as a senator's fan. Right. So 
you know, as we kind of expand out on this, we're on the topic anyway, there is not one Canadian team who has had a sellout yet this season. No, I think the Habs did opening night. I think their first game that they had on the Saturday night against the Rangers. Okay. I think that was a sellout, but okay. but then then they played Tuesday night against the Sharks and had 5,000 empty seats, right. which is and, unheard of. Yeah, no, and we should also mention, in fairness, Vancouver is only at half capacity, so they're not yeah. able yet to sell out. But uh, it's been an issue in Alberta. It's been an issue basically everywhere at this point. And it just seems like, um, I wonder what you think, because this is... Obviously, there's pandemic hesitancy, and that's completely reasonable. My stance has always been once they instituted, you know, that you have to be vaccinated to get in the building, that was the whole point of asking everyone to get vaccinated, was so you could get back to some sort of normal. If you're ready to go, awesome. Power to you. No judgment here. I'm not there yet. And clearly, there's a lot of people who aren't there yet. So, can, can I ask you, yeah. like, okay, so, like, listen, I'm going to be fully transparent here. I'm double vaccinated. I'm triple, man. I'm okay. part of that exclusive. So you're you're part of the triple. Club. Yeah. Is that what Scott Niedermeyer? What is it? No, it's a triple gold. Triple gold. That's club. a little different. That's different. Me and Scott Niedermeyer, not quite. Yeah, the same. not not quite. So, what would be your? And again, I hope you understand what I'm yeah, asking. Yeah. You. It's not being done with with judgment or anything. So, what would be your reasons for being hesitant? Like the Leafs came to town. We all know you're a big Leafs guy. Yeah. They were here. Opening night, like what would have kept you away? I knew that? they were going to get Forsberg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm just, I, I don't, I don't have a great answer for you. I'm just yeah. not comfortable yet, but, right? Yeah. I think I said at the beginning of the summer, and I haven't done it yet because it's been a little rough, I'd go to a Red Blacks game. Like it's outside, yeah. right? And to me, that feels different. Um, I've asked some questions and, and wondered about what the dome is considered, right? With, Indoor, outdoor. Yeah, yeah, they open the roof, but it's it's still, it's a big indoor building with just a lid on it, right? Like it's essentially, but part of the problem is like the way they film baseball, film. Wow. What a dated reference. What? The way they what year is this? baseball. Um, don't worry. We're going to get to 1985 here shortly. Yeah. When they, they, when they record baseball, when they shoot baseball and you can see that like at first when they were only selling 15,000 seats and they were all right behind home plate because those are the most expensive ones. So, but there's an awful lot of people not wearing right. masks. Um, and so that's an issue for me. You know, I, I just, I haven't ruled out going to a game. I, I've mentioned a few times, Ian, the uh, last thing I was supposed to do that the pandemic took away from me was to go to a concert here in Ottawa, um, just at a, grungy little nightclub downtown for a punk band I used to love in high school called Anti-Flag. And I had said all the way through that previous few weeks leading up, if there are any cases here in Ottawa, by the time that concert happens, I'm not going to go. And I was, you know, then for a couple of weeks, we're learning about the pandemic. We're seeing what it means. And even though we haven't had any actual cases here yet, you're like, it's here, right? We find out it takes a week or so yeah. for things to, and so I decide the day or two before the concert, I'm not going to go give, uh, and to be clear and to be fair to the listener who's probably knows, but maybe doesn't, I've had a kidney transplant. So I was immune suppressed. So again, another reason that I just was like, ah, yeah. go, you know, I'm not going to go. I wake up on the morning of that concert. And Ottawa has its first case. And I'm like, okay, then I would have been ruled out anyway. No big deal. Back in June, Anti-Flag announces they're going to kick off their tour back here in Ottawa. This will be the first time they're back on the road. And in June, the vaccines are ramping up. You know, things are looking good. I'm like, I'm going to get a couple tickets. It's just a punk band. They're like 20 bucks each. You know, hopefully in November, 
Um, I'll be ready to go again. Well, here we are, two weeks from the concert, and I'm still like... And it's an indoor venue now? Yeah. Okay, and where is it at? Uh, I forget. Honestly, I forget the name of the place, but it's just a little bar downtown. Like, it, these, these guys aren't selling out the CTC yeah. or anything like that. Um, but I'm still just like, yeah. ah, I don't know. Like, I'm just not but, really there yet, yeah, right? And I, you know what, though? And that's important. Like, like it's important to be honest with yourself. Yeah. And if you've got some level of anxiety, that's fine. But I think what's really important is that we don't judge people right. for that. I think that's where it gets really sticky. Like, I feel like because I don't have an underlying condition and mm-hmm. because my kids are old enough, they've both been double vaxxed. Right. So I'm okay. Like, my wife and I have been out for dinners. Mm-hmm. We've gone for movies. And that was the whole did. point. And where we were trying so, to get. But I, I, I am very mindful of uh, if other people don't have the same level of yeah. comfort as me, then that's okay. Like, yep. I'm not here to... To, to judge you, you'll, you'll get there when you get there. And maybe it'll be in November or maybe it'll be next summer, but at some point you'll get there. Yes. And it'll be an exciting day because the more people we get like you that are, you know, willing to take that next step, yep. I think the better every, everybody's going to feel I agree with this. that completely. But, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Well, and, and as we'll we get talk there about at it, some point. I'm, like I said, I'm triple jabbed. That's probably as many as they're going to give me for now, Ian. So yeah, at some point you also have to be prepared to like, how long are you prepared to, to, to sit out things you enjoy, right? At some point they're insisting on vaccination yeah. at the door. You are vac Like it's as good as it's going to get for like, perfect is not on the table right now. No. It's not an option. No. So at some point I have to also be prepared to go, it's time to go. And like, it's time to do something you want to you want to do, right? And I thought the Red Blacks would have been a good place to start just because it's outdoors and I would have felt, and with their attendance, there's plenty of room to social distance too right now. So I I guess just on that topic, as we circle back around, Canadian teams are having a hard time. The league depends, and I I think it was on the, the Chris Johnston podcast on Monday. He was saying that the last full season, Canadian teams, um, despite there being only seven out of 31 teams there, accounted for like 55% of league revenues. And if Canada isn't pulling its weight yet, and it's not, and again, for totally reasonable reasons, you wonder what this recovery looks like and how long it takes to get back to the revenues where the cap moves up again and all these sorts of things. Like, this is a problem for the league. I I assume when they looked at hockey-crazed Canada that once the doors were allowed open, they'd be full again, but it's just not happening anywhere. And I, I think there's a bunch of reasons. I, you know, all the, you know, you look at Toronto and that building right downtown. I've been to it a hundred times for for games and stuff. A lot of those rich guys, they're not back working in those towers yet. A lot of those aren't. A lot of companies had to cut back on taking clients out yep. and spoiling. There's a a bunch of reasons, and I do think we've underappreciated the fact that people just went through a really hard time. Some of them got laid off. Some of them were fired outright. Uh, some of them had far more important things to spend their time and money on. Yep. And what the Leafs charge for a ticket, what the Habs charge for a ticket, for you know maybe it's just ruled people out for now. I, this is going to be a tough, tougher road, I think, than the league expected in Canada. Yeah, and I think the other factor too is that a lot of people became accustomed to watching sports on 4K televisions yeah. inside their own home, and and there's there's something to be said for man. I could spend 600 bucks on a really nice, go to Costco or yep. wherever, um, buy a nice flat screen TV, 55 inches, 4K, smart TV, ready to go, and I can stream the games 
crystal clear for the price of like, you know, a really, really good night out with, yeah. with four people. Uh, but now I've got this for the rest of the year. Probably this TV is going to last me three to four hockey seasons, maybe five. Yep. And I can have friends over. And I, like, so there is that element of maybe people, just like people are now accustomed to working from home, which mm -hmm. we weren't before, maybe people are accustomed to watching sporting events from home where we weren't before. Our behaviors and our patterns have changed yes. drastically in the last 18 months. And again, we got to give this some time. It's only the first couple of weeks of the NHL season. Let's give it some time. It could totally change. We could have a different conversation in March. Maybe sure. everyone is. So let's be super patient with with all of this, but mindful that maybe people's people's consumption patterns have altered over the past 18 months. Um, as we sit here right now, there's a bunch of hockey stories we could touch on, but the Habs are 0-4. Uh, for the first yeah, let's time, talk about that. For the first time. Actually, since... that was my childhood team. So Okay. It, so... It, I have mixed... I have mixed feelings on it, but <laughs> at this stage of the game, I got to tell you, I'm 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 happy to see Ottawa off to a really good start because I feel like this fan base deserves it. And Habs, yes. you got to the con uh, Cup final Honestly. last year, so settle down. So this is the first time since '95, '96 that they've gone 0 and 4. Are we like just waiting on the Red Wings to come in and pump them, and then they're going to trade Carey Price to Colorado for him to win a cup this year? Is that, that how this story ends? Well, '95, '96, and I was a huge Habs fan back then. Yeah. That was the year they fired Jacques Demers early in the season. Four games in. Four games in. They don't win. <laughs> and their first game with Mario Tremblay behind the bench was against the Toronto Maple Leafs on a Saturday night. I had tickets. Okay. Matt, as a third year university, second year <laughs> university student, whatever it was. Um, Sell your meal card for me. Three of my buddies uh, who are, they were Leafs fans. And now I'm trying Good to guys. think. I'm trying to think if Down Goes Brown came to the game with us. I uh, like he came. Him and I went to some World Cup games. Okay, uh, in '96. Oh yeah. I don't, I'll have to ask him if he came to this game. I don't think he did. But we went to the forum, and the first game that Mario Tremblay coached, Pierre Turgeon scored with like one second left. <laughs> the Habs beat Toronto. There's this great did. feeling of euphoria. They've turned a corner. They actually played really well under Mario Tremblay to start. And then like eight weeks later, it was like <laughs> the Detroit game. They still made the playoffs that year mm -hmm. and lost, I think, to the Rangers in six games in uh, in round one. But there was a real feeling of they had turned the corner. Mario Tremblay is here. They won the game. And then it all fell apart. <laughs> so maybe just maybe you're right. 0-4 uh, start. Maybe they trade a franchise goalie. Is this, like, in your mind, it, look, I, I have a really hard time with all of the things that we're doing, that everyone is doing this early. You, you always say, eh, now it's early, but then we make the point we wanted to make anyway. Is, like, this is a team that I think a lot of people thought if the season was, like, two or three weeks longer last year, they were going to miss. Yeah. And then they get in and take this crazy run to the final. But they are now down Carey Price. They're down Weber. They're down Deneau, uh, They're down Kutkanyemi. Like obviously they're not going to maintain last place status, but like, well, I don't know anymore okay. <laughs> because you, all those guys you Three mentioned, Buffalo, add add they lost Corey Perry, they yep. lost Eric Stahl, mm -hmm. like they lost a lot of the guys that were critical to them being good last year. Yes, in 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 the playoffs, and remember they squeaked in as a four seed in I think what we could all agree was the worst. Or the weakest division out of the four, I think. I think okay. it was. Okay. Um, I think it was the weakest division out of the four. Mm -hmm. They snuck in as a four seed in a shortened season. Yep. 
and then got lightning in a bottle. Yep. To expect them in the course of an 82-game season to go from arguably the weakest division to now one of the tougher divisions. I don't think it's the toughest, but it's certainly tougher than it was last year. Yes. And you lose Price to start the year, Weber for the entire year, uh, Dano, as you mentioned, who is dynamite, Katkaniemi, who is very good for them down the middle, um, and then Perry and, and Stahl. And you replace them with, yeah, Dvorak is okay. He's but fine, yeah. Just a guy. David Savard, like Mike Hoffman, whatever you want to say, they're not as good. Right. And now they're playing a full season with worse goaltending, worse defense, and a thinner group up front in a tougher division. Like, what did you expect? <laughs> so I don't think a reasonable person thought they were a playoff team this year. Like, when I, I looked at, at the uh, but I didn't expect this Atlantic either. division to start the year, I felt like Toronto's a playoff lock. Tampa's a playoff lock. I feel like Florida's a playoff I lock, too, and I yeah. I understand like they they're not they don't have the 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 four or five years of doing it to make you feel like they're locked, but yep. I think they're good enough. Yep. And I think until somebody knocks the Boston Bruins off their perch, yep. they have earned the right to be considered a playoff team. Yep. So there's four teams right there. After that, you could talk me talk me <laughs> into Ottawa pushing for a wild card spot. And you could have, at the start of the year, talked me into Montreal if everything fell right. Right. But they don't have Price, and they don't have Weber, and they, like all these things. So it's really hard for me to sit here and think that they can challenge for a playoff spot. I don't think Buffalo and Detroit can keep it up. <laughs> I, I think, think it would be really cool and really fun if they <laughs> yeah. did. Um, I, I think those are two great hockey markets. Just like Ottawa, they've had a, a rough five-year stretch. Buffalo a little bit longer. Yep. But I just don't think the Habs... Are quite there right now, no. and it's and it's it's too bad for that fan base because they've they've obviously gone through a 27, 28 year drought here. Oh, yeah. that, There's lots that, of sympathy. That, for that. No, That's... but but it, it is. It's been a tough <laughs> run, and one of the worst fates I think you can have. And and Toronto fans went through this probably like in. 2008 to 13, 14, where you're stuck in the middle. Yeah, you're nothing. And you're not you're rebuilding. Nothing. You're and, not and contending. Cal Calgary fans have dealt with this. Yep. I feel like Nashville's kind of headed down this path. Like, if you're stuck in the middle, San Jose could be there too. Yes. You're too good to be a bottom feeder, but you're not good enough to be a, a, a playoff contender. Yep. And it is it is one of the worst fates you can have. And we, we went through that in Ottawa, 2015, 2016, like – they were they caught lightning in a bottle in 2017, but you just knew it wasn't sustainable. Yep. That's all. Um, you mentioned Calgary. They I don't know if you're aware of this, Ian. They are now 0-12 in the last 12 seasons. It's, it's crazy to of, me. Of season opening. I saw, games. And I think it was Eric Francis who had the piece before opening day. <laughs> and I thought it was a typo when I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> Flames have lost 11 straight season openers. I'm like, oh, maybe like Road open road yeah. nope. season openers like it puts how can them this be? it puts them uh, one year behind the, Me the Memphis Grizzlies uh, had an zero and thirteen and uh, this is a, always a team you want to be up with is the Cleveland Browns also like, went zero and thirteen. There's certain teams you never want to be associated with. Yes, the like Memphis Grizzlies <laughs> and the Cleveland Browns would be like you wouldn't want to be on this. You you, you flip on TSN or Sportsnet and you see a graphic and no. it's like the Grizzlies logo, the Browns yeah. logo, then your no. team's logo. You're like, no thanks. So I'm this out. is because we used to see these crazy stats before they changed some of the 
you know, the the previous schedule alignment in the NHL meant yeah. maybe you only went to Anaheim once every four years or something if you're a Leaf fan or a Senators fan. And they would say something crazy like, the Leafs haven't won in Anaheim since 2006. You're like, okay, that yeah, sucks, but, but it's five, five games. games. Yeah, exactly. exactly. This is not a... The Flames have been up and down three times in 12 years, whether they were good or bad or rebuilding or trying to contend. This one has to be just fluke, right? Like at some point, somewhere you you win an opener. Like, but it's funny you mentioned the Flames and, and Anaheim. Yes, there was. Remember that there was that stretch where they lost like 25 straight games at the Honda in Center. Anaheim. Yes, like something crazy like that. Yeah, and you're like, this defies logic. <laughs> and I know that every team in the league has their one kind of kryptonite team that just makes no sense. Like, like for Ottawa, it's Carolina. Yeah. Like, they can't, it didn't matter when they were rolling with, like, the pizza line. Right. they go to Carolina, and they'd be like, ah, we can't beat Joe Corvo. <laughs> Joe Corvo's going to get a hattie on us. And, like, so every team has their one. Yep. Like, who's the, I, I don't know, insert Boston joke here. Yeah. But who's, who's the regular season? You know what it is right now that I can't think, like, I'm having a hard time thinking of a team, but the Leafs were one of, like, uh, Henrik Lundqvist with the Rangers had like of yeah. any team in the league his lowest save percentage was against Toronto but uh, any New York backup Steve Valaket or uh, Cam Talbot or now Gorgiev like when you combine them over the last decade have like a 956 save percentage against Toronto, against Toronto. and so you're just like we we rarely got to see Lundqvist. We always got served a backup that would crush us. So I know it's a little different, but I can't think of a team that Toronto just... It, it used to be, for some reason, we always ended up in Atlanta around Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, and we would always get just smashed. Like, But that obviously was, was a while ago now. Yeah. Um, you can't be dropping thrashers. <laughs> I'm one of the only reference. people well, still referencing... We, we can't beat Andre Pavlik. <laughs> Yeah, Damian Rhodes was killing us. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, no. So those are the sorts of ones that are like some of these rec- to go zero and twelve in openers feels like a fluke. At some point, you beat Edmonton totally. in Game One or something, but I don't. It's wild for this to and they're one year away now. Like yeah. I've got a reminder set in my phone for October fifth next year or whatever, just to start watching Calgary. Like make sure they you know make sure if they, they win. win. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a few other things I sent to you, and I don't know what caught your eye, but I do want to ask you if you had a, uh, an, a, a the first generation Nintendo Entertainment System. What do you think the answer is? I, I assume. Of course I did. Yes. Of course I did. Got it for my uh, Christmas slash birthday. So my birthday is December 28th. Okay. So very, my parents were really good about giving me separate gifts. Like it wasn't, yes. you know, but I think it was the Christmas of 1988. Into 89, they did the combined gift because, you know, back in the day, like Nintendo was expensive. So I got that and I got, uh, obviously it came with the Super Mario game, but I got, I got. uh, Duck Hunt? No, I didn't get the, no, my parents were against the violence. Oh, Duck Hunt. By the time I got around to it, they were on the same cartridge. Super Mario Brothers so 1 you, and Duck Hunt. Yes, but that's only if you bought the that's right. combo pack with, with the, the like gun. You, yeah, with the yes, gun. Yes. Yeah, my parents were like, no, <laughs> we can't be giving this kid. Little did they know where video games were going to head. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Here's Grand Theft Auto. For yeah, me. exactly. So I, uh, I got that. I got Blades of Steel right off the hop. Shing. Yeah. So <laughs> can, you, can you do that noise again? Shing. <laughs> Remarkably accurate. <laughs> I've been working Blades on it. Blades of Steel. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you got to like 
Blades of Steel. Like it, yeah. it had that crazy it, distortion. It, it, it had yeah. the 16 bit <laughs> yeah. distortion. Blades of Steel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why do you sound like Sean Connery? <laughs> Play Celebrity Jeopardy on exactly. SNL or something. Exactly. <laughs> so I had that and I loved it. So Blades of Steel, loved it. But the all-time go-to for me was Tecmo Football. Okay. Like the original, the OG yeah. Tecmo Football. Tecmo Bowl yeah. was everything. So I still have the system. I have the... The you mini still have one. it. Well, I have the mini, the new one they put oh, out a few yeah, years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, that has and a hard drive in it. And, and I got it rigged with every game ever oh, in the yeah. Nintendo library. Okay. So I do play Tecmo Bowl from time <laughs> to time. We'll have my friends come over, play Tecmo Bowl, and I loved it. Yeah. So that was my all-time favorite game. Played it right through university. We used to have heated Tecmo Bowl games with my roommates. So I Well, this week in history, it. for people who don't know, 1985 was the uh, the release of the first Nintendo. So at that point, uh, I'm two years old. Uh, but within a few years, my parents uh, get us the, the Nintendo system. And I know a lot of people were all about that Blades of Steel. Yeah. But I was the other hockey game. I was ice hockey. Ice hockey, it where you had to pick. Now you can't do that because of body shape. Yeah, no, exactly. But... But like so you could pick the dad yeah, bod. You, you could pick, pick the dad bod. <laughs> that guy had an unbelievable shot, though. Yep. The guy with the dad bod. Yep. Yeah. I, I remember one of the greatest tweets I think I ever had. I think it was I think I tweeted this out. Yeah. At one point during the peak of Mike Hoffman's career in Ottawa, <laughs> okay. I said something along or maybe I just said this on the radio. I was like, the only analogy I can give you is Mike Hoffman has the speed of the thin guy from ice hockey <laughs> and the shot of the fat guy. That's the only, that's the best scouting report I can give you on Mike. Right. And he did. He, it yeah, was yeah. like this insane uh, <laughs> ability to skate and shoot the puck. Well, and like, it was fun because you could pick those body tapes, but like they were all international rosters and like Canada was in green, I think. Yeah, they didn't have any of the, the rights. No, no. To... And and I think like some of the even country choices were like I don't remember in 1989 if Poland was a powerhouse in the hockey world or not but they were in this game like you could pick Poland and off you'd just go just rando countries yeah because there was only like six countries available and apparently Poland was one I don't, of the top I don't remember Poland being I part promise of the you mix. Poland was in there yeah I just remember the US and Canada yeah and but uh, guys just like yeah your little skinny guy would bounce off the fat guy and, and whatever but that was my my and I also um our, the first ever RBI baseball RBI baseball yep and like it had this the, the the all the sounds like you said were sixteen bit. It was so cheap. You'd throw the pitch in and think yeah, burp, yeah, wait, wait. and your guys would take forever. Like we, well, inside I, the park, home runs oh, yeah, were pretty off the charts. My favorite thing too is when you were when you were playing, uh, you know, defensively. Yes, and there's a ball hit to the gap, <laughs> and all the outfielders are moving in unison <laughs> because they can. <laughs> It looks That's like right. A, it's it's like in a, left or, center, so your center fielder is heading in the right direction, and, and, but the left fielder is heading in the opposite they're direction. They're all going, <laughs> and it's like a chorus line from Broadway or something. <laughs> and I'm like, oh god, I miss. I love those original. Yes, original we had. Um, you said you had your uh, your new one that they released modded. We had it in uh, when I was in college uh, down in Belleville, now home of the uh, the Belleville Senators. Give those guys a couple of nice bar tips on uh, where to hang out, but. Look, we we had the original Xbox you could have modded, yep. and then every single Nintendo game would fit on one CD, oh. right, or one disc. And, like, we're sitting there on this giant TV, a bunch of college-age guys drinking beers on Saturday, and you could be playing, you know, NHL 06, but instead we're playing RBI Baseball or whatever, right? Like, these old-school and just, 
laughing our asses yeah, off at, at, at how bad this stuff was. It, but, it's so bad, it's good. Yes. It's like when I watch old Saved by the Bell right. episodes. I'm like, this is so bad, it's good. Uh, I sent you a couple of notes there, Ian. There was a, the CFL has made a decision on what they want to do about uh, yeah. you know, unvaccinated players. We've got Major League Baseball has announced that uh, they're going to force teams to pay for housing for minor leaguers. Um, anything on that list that stood out to you? Where do you want to take us yeah, next? Yeah, you know what? I think maybe that minor league story, and, yeah. and like only because I think some of the stories that have come out in the last couple of years really eye-opening yeah. about – Minor league baseball players living below the poverty line. Yep. Like being paid less than minimum wage, essentially, and not having a place to stay and live. And and you just, you feel for them because that shouldn't be how it is. Right. Like that really shouldn't be how it is. And I, I'm not saying that people playing double A baseball, like in Harrisburg, should be making <laughs> like 90 grand and whatever. But you shouldn't be living below the poverty line. No. You shouldn't be struggling and wondering where your next meal is going to come from and where you're going to sleep that night and, um, you know, all of that stuff. So that, that to me is the biggest story because the, – but the only reason why the, those stories come to light is because members of the media decide to write about it yep. and chronicle what it's like being a minor league player and these conditions that they live in and the uncertainty. So if you don't have the media members being brave enough to stand up and shine a light, like this is the, this is the whole thing with the sports world in general, is there's a lot of places where we as journalists need to shine a flashlight. Mm-hmm. We don't. We, we shine them in the wrong places. We shine them in, in the places where, oh, I wonder if they're going to trade for this guy or this guy. Meanwhile, there's all sorts of crazy things going on behind the scenes. Shine a light on it. Right. And, and bring it to people's attention. Well, you were seeing on Twitter back when, uh, just a few weeks ago, when that story broke from the Ukrainian Hockey League about the racist gesture yeah. that was thrown down. And you saw uh, a lot of people that are fairly cynical, and that's fair, I'm often one of them, that were pointing out which media members were having an easy time commenting on that, but who hadn't said word one about the Blackhawks story yet, right? Totally. And I think those are are fair um, criticisms, although sometimes it's a little bit over the top. But you're right, like this minor league story doesn't come to light unless you start covering it. And I think it was the Mets and Pirates that uh, their minor league team started wearing for one series like armbands that were just like awareness on... The fact that these people are getting under, and you're talking about guys sleeping in their cars. You're talking about guys exactly. that can hardly uh, afford to, to eat or sleeping on air mattresses at somebody else's house. And so the major leagues have said that in 2022, um, the major league teams will be responsible for housing uh, all their minor league players. And they haven't yet decided whether that will mean paying you enough money, like a stipend to go and do that, or actually finding the housing themselves. Which in and of itself is interesting because in the story, I believe it was Jeff, uh, Jeff Passan on ESPN who was first deep into this and said like, when you think of single A baseball, you think of these kind of outposts in the middle of nowhere because there are minor league teams that are single and double A in San Jose and in Brooklyn. And he goes, th- you, if you think you're getting an apartment in Brooklyn for what those guys are getting paid, it's not happening. And so those well, are sort at, of Look the, at Vancouver, right? Yeah, like yeah. These are great examples of high-rent cities yep. and markets and, and people who are literally being paid at minimum wage yes. to, to make it work. So I think there's a solution there. And like you said, whether it's they have to find almost like billet-style housing, which you, you obviously see in, in, in junior hockey, mm-hmm. or do you make a deal with a hotel – and right. say, we're going to pay you 
X amount of dollars and you're going to house the players for home games. And in exchange for that, we'll give you tickets and money or whatever it is. Like, yeah. There are some creative solutions you can have, but you can't have this going on in yeah. perpetuity. No, and like this is one of those things we talked about. Uh, like I said, our, our friend Amy Burke's going to be on the show next week. And um, during the Paralympics, uh, Creech and, uh, and Dean Brown had me on to talk about the Paralympic athletes and how they're funded. And the funding has had to go up because like someone like Amy, she has two kids at some point, if she has to go get a full-time job and watch her kids and now compete, she's just not competing anymore. Right. So you have to fund these sorts of things. Now it's a little different when you get into pro sports and guys trying to make the way to the, but like, it should be in your interest. Like, let's just use the blue Jays. I don't know whether they're one of the best, one of the worst somewhere in the middle in terms of how they treat their minor leaguers. But it is in your best interest that that pitcher you're trying to develop isn't sleeping in the backseat of his car and eating Taco Bell every day because that's all he can afford, right? You need to make sure that guy is maximizing yep. his athletic potential and and to see how many guys just get kind of swept away and, and left for, for whatever. And it's, it's pretty gross when you look at the bright lights of Major League Baseball, you're like, look at all the money they're bringing in, look at how this is going. And then you see just a level or two down what guys are going through just to try and get there. Yeah. It's, it, it's what I said before. It's the seedy underbelly of sports that we sometimes don't like to uh, admit or acknowledge that's there. Yes. It's there. Yeah. And you know, I, I appreciate when, when uh, journalists and, and reporters use their, like we all have flashlights yep. as, as media members and we can choose where we, we direct them. And uh, I think sometimes we, we don't direct them in the in the right places. Yeah, let's just touch quickly then before we wrap up on the CFL story because I thought that one was was fairly interesting just in terms of uh, it's come down this week that the CFL will not allow players who are unvaccinated to travel with their teams to the East or West Final or the Grey Cup. And if you're wondering why it's just those games, um, as of the end of November, that's when these rules are now set in about flying um, or taking the train to, uh, you know, get around. You have to be vaccinated as of that date, as any Canadian would be. Uh, apparently, uh, one of the first questions asked, and, and rightfully so, was about charters. I guess this is going to apply to charter flights yeah. as well. So that's going to be uh, a factor. And the league, whether it was just to put pressure on these guys to go ahead and do this, or whether they have genuine concerns that, you know, we don't want guys driving in December across the prairies, or uh, I have... I'm cynical about the CFL's good intentions in that way, but I do wonder what your thoughts were on the fact that um, after kind of letting all these guys go through the season, you're going to put the clamp down at that point. Part of it is Canadian law, but part of it is also, you know, how it's now going to interfere with your season. And what does it mean for the host teams? Like in theory, I don't know, let's say Saskatchewan is traveling to Edmonton, it won't be Edmonton, but you know what I'm saying? If you, right. if Edmonton has unvaccinated players, do they get to play in that game because there's no travel involved and Saskatchewan's don't? Or how does well, that yeah. work? Like, See that, and that's the key is that they only said you will not be permitted to travel, travel with your team, which, like you said, opens up the door. Especially if you think about the East, obviously Ottawa is not going right. to likely factor in, but the sort of Hamilton, Toronto, Montreal corridor is very drivable. Yeah, you could easily get so, yourself there. That it, it it becomes a, a question of competitive balance and and are you making arbitrary rules that you're right like if you're hosting the West Final yeah 
so you can have unvaccinated <laughs> players, but the other team can't because they couldn't. Tra- like your so, unvaccinated players better bust their asses down the stretch here to make well, sure you're going to th- be at home. <laughs> this is uh, this is it's a it's a slippery slope, and, yeah. and they probably like uh, what I don't love is the idea of rules changing yes. potentially in the playoffs yep. and potentially when the stakes matter the most. Yeah. If they if they had this rule all season, yep. I'd be like, well, this That's has been the, the rule all year. Yep. I don't love it. I understand why they're doing it because by law, they don't have a choice. It's not like the uh, Toronto Argonauts can rent a charter plane and fly anywhere or, right. or, or BC or whoever. The, you can't do it. So you got to comply with the laws, but... I, I don't like the look. The optics of it yeah. don't feel good. But you also don't want, you know, three members of Saskatchewan piling into their car <laughs> and driving across the, the prairies in November. It's dangerous. Yes. You, you know, you want to talk about mitigating danger here. You, you don't want that. So you'd like to think that there's some sort of solution here, but I we're running out of racetrack. It just feels to me like one last wait once more to try and clamp down and get these guys vaccinated. Because to me, I agree that drive is dangerous. Yeah. I just don't believe that the league is, I think the league looked at it and said, the first thing they're going to say is this, we're going to slam that loophole too. Like I, because what is it like, can Winnipeg drive to BC in time, whereas Calgary could easily drive to Edmonton in time. Like it almost well, that's feels just it. like, yeah. like I said, Toronto, Hamilton, yes. like those, all those all, guys could do it. These yeah. are, that's no big deal. Right. Yeah. But now you start talking about crossover games yep. or teams that have to do different things. And all of a sudden, yeah, you could have a scenario where somebody's making a multi uh, kind of provincial trip yeah. and uh, it just doesn't seem safe. No, I'm with you. It, it, it I like the idea behind it. I hate the execution of it. It just feels like you've gone this far. And like you said, you're having your arm twisted a bit by the government, but you know, all of a sudden the best team in the West may no longer be the best team in the West come the time they host a home game or something. So that's a little odd. Uh, Anything else we wanted to touch on on this one, Ian? No, you know what? The fact that I even talked about the CFL and uh, UFC for more than like 90 seconds. I I think it was good to pull you out of the hockey bubble for a few minutes and and talk Talk some Tecmo. Sure. uh, No, listen, it it is always fun. I hope uh, people can can hear my um, uh, enthusiasm on here because I do. I love, I, I, you know, I text with you. You're nice yeah. enough to text me from time to time, and, and 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 I appreciate coming on here. I wouldn't I wouldn't make the trip here if I didn't have fun. If I didn't enjoy, uh, you know, spending an hour with you, you know, shooting the breeze. Uh, We're coming up on the one year anniversary of the infamous Fat Warriors oh, story. There, see, like we could have had the, all of our <laughs> storylines. We're talking about the <laughs> hockey players in the ice hockey and Mario. It all. Yeah, we if if people haven't heard it, I will post the uh, the link to that show as well. You'll hear my my greatest shame. Yeah, uh, underneath this a one, text sent to me that was not intended for me. Um, look for that as well. Where can people find your work, Ian? Uh, l- listen, so I know that um, you know with, with the athletic, one of the things th- uh, that's a little bit different about our site versus other places, it is a paywall site. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know. Uh, would love it if people who are listening to this thought, uh, hey, I'd love a subscription to The Athletic. So obviously uh, that's where you can find my written work. Uh, the podcast, though, is available that I do t- two times a week. I'm fortunate enough to do a Monday and a Thursday show with uh, Haley Salvian and Sean McIndoo. Uh, and that you can get for free like right. through Apple or Spotify, just like with your podcast and dropped in all those places. So um, that's where they can uh, they can find me and, uh, and obviously on Twitter like, uh, like everybody else appears to be. I meant to, uh, to ask you. Was the podcast thing, because you joined The Athletic just before the, the shortened season started. Yeah. Was that 
their idea or are you going in saying I've got this radio background I could help with this how does that part of it come about no that was a big part of the the kind of the negotiations yeah. uh, of I think why they wanted to bring me on was hey here's a guy that can obviously help us in the audible market we're, we're going to need a writer there but also we really want to launch a, a they've had some success I think with their NFL podcast and some of the other right. podcasts so I think they were trying to do something on the NHL front and I was like yeah I, I think I'd be a perfect fit so <laughs> Haley's going to be on the show later in November. Uh, we've been waiting to have her back. She was on when she was covering the Sens, but it was just before she left. So she's going to come on towards the end of November and talk about the Flames. And also, Ian, I don't know if you're as excited about this as her and I are. Um, two members of Team Ice Cube, by the way, and uh, Team Kick. Um, See, you guys are clearly renters. I don't know. Look, so for people who haven't caught that, that was a, a discussion on this one of your very This is ridiculous to me, okay? The, the, people, <laughs> this is the discussion. If you drop an ice cube on your floor in the kitchen, yeah. do you A, pick it up, <laughs> or B, kick it onto the refrigerator? And you're telling me, and Haley, you kick it onto the fridge. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to do a sociological kind of study <laughs> and find out the people who kick it under, are they A, renters and be childless because i feel like childless that, for sure yes uh, now, probably I, forever yeah <laughs> with well, this now, behavior well but now i don't know this place that we're in yeah rental owned it own oh okay so that that throws out my now what i will that say throws out my theory i don't kick every ice cube it's more one of those i'm already having a bad day or i'm in a bit of a mood and it pops up like screw it and you just kick it and keep walking right i will sometimes pick it up, but, but you're indignant to the fact that she I, even suggested she might kick it under the fridge oh, or under the cup. Like, I don't understand. I was like, no, it's not that upsetting. Like, yeah. It's not. Apparently to you it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Um, so we will uh, make sure all those links are put, but stick around. Because, oh, I, th this was the, the tease, or I didn't know if you were as excited. Later in November, I believe it's the 19th, there's a new Taylor Swift album coming out. Okay. Taylor is not normally my deal, but she has a song that I really like, and it was never a big radio hit. It was kind of an underground thing, but the song is called All Too Well. And I don't know where this rumor started. It's one of those things that happens in music where, you know, crazy story gets... But someone said there's a 10-minute version of All Too Well that's never been released. And she's always, uh, you know, sort of been indifferent. It's not online. You can't find it anywhere. And when she announced this album, she, like alluded to the fact that there's going to be a 10 minute track okay. on this that got everybody like <gasps> and so I saw Haley when that announcement came down was was as intrigued and as excited uh, as I was so she's going to come on the day after that album is released to talk about that and uh, the Calgary Flames so uh, listeners can look forward to that uh, Ian is on Twitter at Ian underscore Mendez underscore some other rando Ian <laughs> Mendez took the name without the underscore. So. Somebody with some foresight got yeah. in their head of you. So. Yeah, locked it down back in 2008 or whatever it was. We'll post the links to uh, the NH, uh, the Athletic Hockey Show and uh, Ian's work at The Athletic as well as his Twitter account in the show notes at tallcanaudio.com. You can follow us on social media at tallcanaudio. Ian, thank you so much for doing this, man. Really Th appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Matt. This was a blast. And uh, we will see you all next time on Tall Can Audio. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.